Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 66, Thursday, December 5th, 2019, episode 66, lovely. We had no podcast last week, so apologies to all of you who are looking forward. I decided to take a little one-week break from the pod while the craziness was going on on the short week. Uh, the madness really does reach its crescendo during Thanksgiving week, um, with the college football regular season ending last weekend and round-the-clock college basketball action going on. Of course, that's all during the holiday as well. well. Everything's going on, so it's really hard to stay on top of everything. So I decided just to, you know, just punt last week and come in fresh this week with a nice little two-week break. So apologies to everyone uh, for missing last week's pod, but here we are with a new one. Today, uh, now things are settled down a little bit more with couch football entering the conference championship week, and then we got bowl games coming up in a couple weeks as well, and there's some great money-making opportunities uh, for everybody uh, come bowl season. So in today's episode, I'll touch on some quick hitters, and then I'll dive into a short little interview with Joe Rogers that I recorded with him earlier today, uh, where we touched on Saturday night's Big Ten title game between Ohio State and Wisconsin, and the NFL Sunday night football matchup between the Rams and the Seahawks, a game that both Joe and I feel pretty strongly about. Uh, Both of us have positions on that game already. After that, I'll finish up with a quick look at this week's couch football uh, conference title game card and the NFL Week 14 card, along with some best bets. And of course, we'll hear from our resident doggy juice pod degenerate, the Danimal. All right, let's start off with some quick hitters. Oh, Josh Shaw, Josh Shaw, what are we to do with you? If any of you listeners have uh, have not heard of this yet, or if you've been living under a rock all week, uh, news emerged that 27-year-old Arizona Cardinals defensive back Josh Shaw was suspended by the NFL this week for violating the league's gambling policy after reportedly making a parlay bet at Caesars in Vegas on Sunday, November 10th. Uh, he made a three-team second-half parlay uh, on, on three NFL Week 10 games, and one of those legs, of course, involved his team. He's he's on the Arizona Cardinals, but he's injured. He's not playing, so that's obviously we should note that. But um, the Cardinals are playing the Bucks that week, and he included a bet against the Cardinals on uh, on the parlay, and actually that, that bet lost. But the fact that the bet won or lost is completely irrelevant to the fact that Shaw broke the very strict league rule. He he came out uh, saying that he misinterpreted the PASPA decision last year by the Supreme Court um, and, and didn't really know uh, the, the rules. He was claiming ignorance, which is no excuse. Uh, the NFL brought down the hammer on him, suspended him indefinitely through the, at least the 2020 season. Um, Shaw, fortunately, he listed professional football player as his occupation when applying for a betting account at Caesars, so uh, that gave the operator reason to know that he was violating the rules. And, and Nevada gaming uh, regulations require operators to to avoid accepting bets or even paying out bets um, from anyone who's involved with the contest or you know, with the wager itself or with the contest that the wager's on. Uh, so immediately after realizing that Shaw had bet on the games, uh, Caesars contacted the Nevada Gaming Control Board and the NFL. The NFL quickly launched an investigation and they suspended him. And, uh, and now he's now he's <laughs> appealing the suspension, but uh, this is the first time that there's a, a, a reported violation of a major U.S. professional sports league's gambling policy since the PASPA ruling 
last May, 2018. And I wrote a, an article about this uh, for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. I was able to interview, I was very fortunate to interview Matt Holt from U.S. Integrity, who uh, I, his opinions I could not agree more with um, pretty much anything sports betting related, but especially this. I, I was able to talk to him about this whole issue, and it's really interesting because it brings to light the disconnect between operators, regulators, and the leagues right now. And obviously the leagues are, cram, are uh, clamoring for integrity fees, and they have been for a while, but then a situation like this goes down where if, if the operator, if Caesars didn't actually uh, report this to the Game Control Board of the NFL, probably would have gone unnoticed because the NFL had no idea what was going on. So it, it also brings to light player education, and, and the NFL Players Association should take notice on this too. This is really important for players to know that they cannot bet on games in the league that they're involved in. You have to read the fine print, and, and every league is different what they require from their players. You know, Some don't allow you to bet at all. Some of you don't allow to bet at certain times a year. There's a lot of restrictions, but it's pretty damn clear and always has been in the NFL that if you are an NFL employee, you cannot bet on NFL games. Josh Shaw violated that rule, and he deserves a suspension. Um, but this brings to light a lot of other issues, and I cover that in the article, so I highly encourage all of you to read that, uh, the, the title of the article is Josh Shaw Controversy Highlights Importance of Improving Communication Between Operators, Regulators, and Leagues. So be sure to give that a read. Early season college basketball tournaments, um, holiday tournaments, feast week has now come and gone, and teams are returning home from some nice locations like Maui, the Bahamas. The, the big story is, is Michigan. Uh, early on in the season, uh, there's some kind of crazy stats that I'm going to be writing about the Michigan-Iowa game, but um, that's taking place Friday. But uh, Michigan essentially, I believe, is the first team. They've made the biggest jump early in the season because they were unranked at the start of the year. Now they're in the top five, and that was the biggest jump that any team's ever had. And you know, when you beat Gonzaga and North Carolina, two top ten teams, that's going to obviously help your case. But uh, I think the big story for Michigan here, everyone's o- overlooking the fact that Phil Martelli, uh, former St. Joe's coach, he's an assistant over at uh, you know for Jawan Howard, who's a first-year coach for the Wolverines. And I think that's really helping out Howard, and that's going unnoticed how much of an impact that Martelli's having on this team early on, especially defensively. Um, I think there's a bit of an overreaction to Michigan, and you could see that. They were a great they were a great fade against Louisville the other night, uh, their first game back after winning the battle for Atlantis, and. Uh, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how this team is moving forward, but I think a lot of that's due to Martelli, and it's going to be definitely worth uh, paying attention to. The ACC Big Ten Challenge is happening this week as well. That always happens around this time of year, and uh, we're seeing some pretty interesting early results. And DePaul, I would be remiss if I did not mention DePaul uh, beating Texas Tech, the defending national runner-up at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago last night in overtime in a fantastic game. And it's really great to see DePaul back on the map. They really strengthened their tournament resume with that victory. They've already beat Iowa on the road, and they haven't lost a game yet all year. So DePaul, really one of the stories of college basketball this season, they already have a really legit tournament resume um, already established, especially with that. That win over Texas Tech was huge. I think that might have even punched their ticket. As long as they are decent enough in Big East play this year, I think that DePaul... I mean, right now, they're definitely looking like a strong favorite to make the tournament. So kudos to DePaul. And I will be doing a lot more college basketball work here on the podcast uh, now that college football is diving down um, or dying down. So we're going to definitely be doing that. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next one here. 
college football paths to the college football playoff. Um, this is interesting now because obviously we have a situation. Everybody, I'm not going to belabor the point here that everybody knows about. Obviously, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson look like shoe wins. If Georgia um, beats LSU, it's we're going to be pretty much set with those four teams in the college football playoff. You know, assuming Clemson doesn't lose to Virginia as 28 and a half point favorites. But the interesting thing is this: the number one team, whoever gets the number one spot, is obviously going to play. We have Utah in the mix, Oklahoma in the mix, Baylor in the mix for that last spot. But no matter what happens, pretty much, whichever those first three teams I named is number one, they're going to be a roughly two-touchdown favorite against the number four team in the playoff. But the two and three teams, whether it be Ohio State versus LSU, Clemson versus LSU, Clemson versus Ohio State, that's going to be closer to a pick So whoever gets the two and three spot is going to be in for a dogfight in the semi while the number one team has a relatively easy chance, according to, to my numbers and according to uh, you know, odds makers that I've talked to. And, and it's pretty clear that's the way it's going to be. So getting that top spot is key. It, it matters for our purposes this week in handicapping these, co- these uh, conference tournament title games. Obviously, we have Ohio State versus Wisconsin. I'm going to touch on that with Joe. Uh, we have, um, obviously, Georgia versus LSU. That's one of the biggest games, the SEC title game. And Georgia has everything to play for, but LSU is a seven-point favorite in that game. And then obviously Clemson versus Virginia as a huge four-touchdown favorite in that game. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be Ohio State or LSU for that top spot. You've got to think Ohio State's safe even if they lose to Wisconsin because they beat Wisconsin earlier in the year. Um, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. Clemson, I don't think they're going to lose that game, so you don't have to worry about them. And then, of course, Ohio or, or LSU, that's, that's the interesting one because Georgia can punch their own ticket with a win. LSU, though, they do want – if you're a conspiracy theorist, you got to worry that they make more money if Georgia gets in, more SEC teams in there. Like, it's just a fact that they, they will make more money as a school, but they kind of risk losing that number one spot. So Ohio State's going to know the result of the LSU game and the Clemson game heading into their game against Wisconsin Saturday night. This is all interesting to pay attention to because as the picture shifts on Saturday and even Friday night when Utah plays, that's really going to set everything into motion. Uh, that's going to determine how, if they if they win by a sizable margin over Oregon, then it's going to put more pressure on, on Oklahoma. And, and if Utah loses and Baylor beats Oklahoma, Baylor's probably in, assuming LSU beats Georgia. So there's a lot going on, but you got to pay attention to how the other teams are doing because it actually does matter for the handicap this week. But... Uh, just figured I would, I would at least let everyone know those projected lines for the playoff. You're going to get a really sizable favorite, whoever's the number one seed over the number four, and then the two versus number three is going to be a total dogfight. All right, let's just jump into it right now. Let's jump into today's interview with Joe Rogers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, he is back. He's becoming a Doggy Juice Pod staple. He has become a Doggy Juice Pod staple. Joe Rogers, senior writer at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. How's it going, Joe? Doing great, man. Ready for this college football? The end is near, unfortunately. I know. It's so depressing. Like, we, we're going to have like a couple weeks there before, because I think the first bowl game's like December 17th or 16th, something like that. So we're going to have like a little little break here once the bowl games are announced we're just, just gonna feel kind of weird like next week i know we have army and navy mm-hmm. but besides yeah. that there's there's just it's gonna be weird but the void but i know i'm speaking for both of us here that, that it's actually kind of like a welcome break because things have been so crazy the past few weeks trying to 
stay on top of college football and college basketball along with the NFL and trying to carve up turkeys and, and eat stuffing too. Yeah, that's a good point. Now we get to figure out which teams have players going pro, who's got a motivation factor, all that good stuff. Uh, no, I, I love hitting openers in, in uh, bowl games. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this on the podcast uh, once once we're breaking down those bowl games, but I just, I love those angles and, and, and getting ahead of those line moves on bowl games and, and not to like dive down this rabbit hole, but like taking money, like big money lines on, on some pretty heavy underdogs. Like the one thing I never do in bowl season is play favorite money lines just because of mm-hmm. so much more, so much more variability uh, in some of these games. And you always get a couple crazy, crazy um, upsets from, from big dogs just because the motivation angle. And like you said, players sitting, uh, you know, waiting to turn pro. There's so much at stake when it comes to, there's so many changes when it comes to player personnel around this time of year and with new coaches in, you know, like lame duck coaches, players trying yeah. to, you know, it, we could go out forever here, but yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. And, uh, and today we're just going to break down two games here. We got, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the big 10 championship and then we're going to dive into Sunday night football. Cause I know you have some great angles on the Seahawks Rams. So, um, yeah, let's let's jump right into it. I mean, let's we got Definitely. Big Ten title game Saturday night. Um, Wisconsin plays Ohio State, Lucas Oil Stadium, in in Indianapolis, and and uh, Ohio State they're they're going to know what they need to do by that point because all the other conference title games have been played. Um, obviously, they know they they win, they're in, but there is a lot to play for. And I'm touching on this at, in the podcast as well, but. Uh, that top spot does mean a lot in the college football playoff this year, just because, you know, at least looking at my numbers, the number, mm-hmm. whoever the number one team is, um, is probably going to be roughly a two touchdown favorite over the number four team. But the, the, the two and three teams are going to be in a, in a close to a pick game. So really, you know, getting that, that avoiding that, that difficult first matchup in the playoff is huge. So I think that uh, could go a long way in terms of Ohio state wanting to win by margin, especially if, if LSU does earlier in the day and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe Clemson, but um but yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, that the spread right now is sitting at sixteen. Um, I don't have the total by me right. I, I know it opened at fifty-seven, but I think it, it went down a little bit. Um, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this one? On the Big Ten title game? Yeah, just uh, I talked to Matt Lindeman down at Circus Sports in Las Vegas, and Will Bernicke at CG Technology in Las Vegas as well. Both these books open their uh, lines on Monday, on Sunday, Sunday, excuse me. Circa was first with the total. CG was actually first with the point spread. They had Ohio State minus 18. That number, along with 17, was goggled up, gobbled up by Sharps right away. Circa was first with the total. And again, Sharp action on the total adjusted that down uh, 52 to 53. So they bet the over 52 to 53 in the first hour. And then by Wednesday, it was up to 56. I think it's even higher now at some shops. So Sharps got there early. Um, nothing too surprising on that front. But uh, I thought the over move from 52 up to 56 was was um, pretty significant. And Lindemann said that, you know, he was uh, – Ohio State has played outdoors the past few games, and now they're having, you know, perfect – indoor facility fast track so i thought i thought that move was uh, kind of shocking but we'll yeah, see where it goes yeah. from here 
Yeah, like usually my angle is to play unders and you know, or at least look the way of unders um, in championship games, and it's kind of more rare, at least I think, to see you know a jump like this on a on an over on a total, um, especially you know, in a, I guess in a situation like this, it, it, it's a little more puzzling. It's not it's like the opposite of what's happening. Obviously, Utah and and uh, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game that's weather related that and that totals mm-hmm. crashed, that's crashed, but. Yeah, no, I was I was surprised by that too. Now looking at it, it's I'm seeing fifty six and a half right now as we're as we're talking on Thursday afternoon. But um, that's interesting. So like that, that that line's down to you know sixteen, fifteen and a half right now. Um, I don't know. It's, so from my angle, I was one of those guys. I didn't get much down, but I did take some Wisconsin plus seventeen when it opened. I got the line close, right around fourteen myself, so I thought seventeen's decent mm-hmm. enough value to get involved. I will be looking to bet more Wisconsin. Um, if it does get to 17, I'm in no rush because I think it's one of those spots where we're going to get that, you know, that, that public money coming in after work on Friday and then early in the day, Saturday, but a ton, ton of action on this one. You know what, what the casual betters are going to be betting, but uh, do, you, yeah. do you, do you have any personal lean on the, on the side or, or total in this one, the way it currently? Yeah. I was just looking at the percentages, 78% of tickets on Ohio state. Look, this is a team that. They finished last season 62nd nationally in S&P passing, 115th in ISO PPP, which is an explosiveness metric. Michigan proved that dynamic passing attacks can still have success, but Wisconsin, you know, they're not that. Jack Cohen, he had 10 completed passes against Ohio State earlier this season. I think the score was 38 to 7 in that game in Columbus. I I, I bet Wisconsin in that one like an idiot. Yeah, Wisconsin... (laughs) just predictable methodical run first offense good offensive line i think they need to have that going a little bit to keep ohio state off the field you know Mm -hmm. but they have to take advantage on play action the guy takes some deep shots with cephas he had success against minnesota doing the same on play action so they gotta take some shots deep they gotta force turnovers like penn state did two weeks ago if they do those things i think they have a chance s&p plus has Hit at 14, I think I'm at 15 and a half. Uh, yeah, 15, right around 16. So either I'm going to hope this gets to 17 or more. Circus at 17 right now. But I'll probably look to bet this one live after the first drive or so, see how things look. Do you have any, like, do, do you think it might be a good angle, like isolate some first half in this one or maybe look to go that route? or Because uh, my, my worry would be, you know, Wisconsin needing the – Obviously, if they're up kind of big at, at halftime or something like that, they might look to pour it on, uh, especially in a situation yeah. where they, they need the committee. But I'm seeing eight and a half uh, first half line. It's, it's, in my opinion, that might even be a little more appealing, but um, especially since like Wisconsin, I think if, if memory serves in their first matchup, Wisconsin did keep it pretty close at the beginning. Um, yeah, and if if I'm correct, when Ohio State Northwestern played, it was close to halftime, and then Ohio State just dominated the second half. And, you know, if Wisconsin turns it into a lower lower uh, possession game, first half, yeah, I can definitely see the first half. What is it right now? Eight, yeah, I've seen eight, eight, eight and a half I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, a 10 would be great, and, it, and we could we could still yeah. see that. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, and there's definitely, to your point, certainly a correlation here between Wisconsin and under and, and Ohio State and over. So I uh, can, make, can make that case here to, to, to do those. But, yeah, no, it seems like we're both we both kind of agree on that. I mean, uh, it's not much of a, of a value play there, but there's not much value in general on this on this card just because there's not many games and these are heavily bet uh, conference tournament or yeah, conference tournament games for college football. But 
but yeah, that's that's gonna be a good one, no doubt about it. That's, that's gonna be a must watch. So let, let's let's move it over to the NFL now. You got a really strong opinion on this one that I agree with as well. Uh, Sunday night football, we have the L.A. Rams against the Seattle Sea Frauds, as uh, I'm gonna mm. coin them. But uh, I'll, I'll let, I'm gonna let you take away the why they should be called the Seattle uh, Sea Frauds. But before we do that, the, the spread is. Uh, that opens. I mean, I was seeing two. I, I did see two and a half in favor of the Seahawks before they played um, on Monday night, and then it reopened. I, I believe one, one and a half. Uh, but this one's flipped. Some some books have the Rams favored by one, um, and at least when I looked earlier today, at least a couple still had the the Seahawks or the Sea Frauds favored by one. But uh, but what's your angle here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm gonna go on a little bit of rant here. So bear with me if you. I uh, prefer to read what I wrote. Uh, check it out at Bet Chicago, betindiananews.com. But look, in the NFL, high variance factors, turnover differential, one possession record, injury. You know, we kind of look at these thing, things for when we look at season win totals the year before. The Rams were due for regression. And, you know, look, they're 7-5 and five now. For the Seahawks, there's several factors that point to this team's record being better than it is. And the public's really buying into it. Last time I saw at FanDuel, 90% of tickets, 90, 93% of tickets, 94% of money on FanDuel as of Thursday. The point spread, though, has flipped from Seahawks 2.5 to Rams minus 1. Reverse line First move, line classic, pros versus Joes. Robert Walker said on Bay Indiana Podcast, this is the uh, classic pros versus Joes, if you couldn't already tell from that line move. But listen, Using Pythagorean expectation, which is a formula created to basically estimate the percentage of games a team should have won based on the numbers of points they scored and allowed, Seattle should have just under seven wins, 6.8 wins to be exact. So here you have a six win, uh, sorry, a 10 win team that should actually, based on their score differential, have just under seven wins. They've outscored opponents by 36 points combined this entire season in 12 games, which is three points per game. RJ Bell pointed this out. Seahawks are the first team to have 10 wins by game number 12 without scoring opponents by more than three points per game. First team in the past 30 years. Wow. Wow. So a a few more things here. The Seahawks have recovered a league-high 16 fumbles. Fumble recovery, which is statistically considered an outlier, is even more crazy considering they have the third-worst adjusted sack rate. So if you if you follow S&P Plus, Bill Connolly for college football, he, he informs his turnovers marginally by sack rates because sack rates are more likely to create fumbles. So it's crazy to me that Seattle has – the third worst adjusted sack rate yet they have recovered 16 fumbles like that. It just doesn't add up. That's considered pretty lucky. They've also been unfortunate with opposing playmaker injuries. Last week we saw, we saw cooks go out. Thielen wasn't playing. They've also had to face Matt Schaub, the Steelers when big Ben got hurt, the Eagles when they didn't have any receivers and the, C- the Seahawks' first meeting with the Rams fits perfectly into this narrative of how they've gotten kind of lucky. So the Seahawks won 29-20. That, that was the missed field uh, goal, right? Didn't uh, Greg the leg missed the game winner at the end of that, too. 
Yes. Yeah. So it was, sorry, it was 30 to 29. Seahawks won, but they didn't cover the one and a half point favorites. They easily could have lost. Like you said, Zerline missed a game winning 44 yarder with 11 seconds left, but it was very improbable that the Seahawks were ahead with just over two minutes ago in that game. They were trailing by five. Wilson led Seattle on 12 play 75 yard touchdown drive aided by not only a roughing the passer call, but they also converted a fourth and goal on a crazy catch from Chris Carson. The Rams had an 82% chance of winning that game with three minutes left. I feel like I'm rambling, but to cut to the chase, the Rams have scored 35 points on average against Seattle the past four meetings. So they have a better matchup on defense, on special teams. We know golf is better at home. And it sounds like McVay is leaning on Gurley a lot more. Yeah, I like the Rams this week. I have them in teaser with the Cardinals uh, when I got plus eight. So nice. I have plus two on their own. And I also dabbled some in the money line. So yeah, you're all over it. That's, I mean, that, that teaser is so great. And I, I, I really want to get involved on that. When I, on Sunday, I was able to key in uh, the Seahawks on, on a few of them, but just not for, not for anywhere near as much as I wanted to. And, and if this does creep back up, if we do get that, you know, if the line does creep up to Seahawks at plus one and a half or, or higher, then that's just, in my opinion, one of the best teaser candidates this week. Um, so mm-hmm. like, to your point, though, like, so you, uh, I know they've made a living out of winning these one score games, but I, do you know offhand like how many are all of their wins by one score or less? It's it's close to that. And it's it's if, if it's not all of them, it's it's certainly most of them. And and uh, this this yeah. is your you're just your typical spot right now. I mean, when you look back at the line, you're referencing the other game uh, that spreads one, one and a half. Now it's the same spread here. And obviously we know that the Rams home field is you know not worth as much, but uh, when you look mm. at the rest angle too, I mean, obviously the Seahawks are coming in this game off a short rest, the Rams, they beat the piss out of the Cardinals really didn't have to show much or do much in the second half of that game. So they're, they're bringing that rest angle. And also when you look at, I like to look at yards per play even more, um, without mm-hmm. my own adjustments to it, but when you just look at just baseline yards per play, especially later this year, when I think those stats become increasingly more predictive, just because we have, you know, we have 12, 13 games of, of data on all these teams. But um, these two teams are almost identical on yards per play on offense, but defensively, the Rams are fourth in opponent yards per play. Seattle ranks 24th. And when you look at defensive DVOA, Rams are fourth, and Seahawks are league average 16th. So I, I like that as well. The rest angle, um, the whole disrespect angle too. The Rams kind of flying under the radar, but yeah, most importantly, like you said, the the turn. I mean, turnovers. It's it's the that's that's prime for regression right there. So this is your classic just regression game, pros versus Joe's game, and you and I are both strongly strongly in favor of uh of the Rams this week. Although I'm a little worried. I I, I was pretty big on the Rams against the Ravens. Uh, a couple Mondays ago, mm-hmm. so I know this is a completely yeah. different situation, and we didn't have reverse line move, reverse line movement in that game. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still a little stung from that. I gotta just remain objective. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, getting back to your question, they're nine and one this season in one score games, wow. which is also statistically improbable yeah. um, to continue at that rate. And the other thing I was going to mention is, you know, Rams. Rams Ravens, yeah, that was that was kind of a kind of a very bad outcome. But listen, they still they still they got they got run over. They got run over. Everybody's getting run over by the by the Ravens. 
I think the Rams are third in DVOA against the run, and we know how much the Seahawks like to run. They're familiar opponents, like I said. Um, so I think that ever, – and ever since Jalen Ramsey got there, they're holding the opposing passers to, I think, 208 yards per game. So I think it's just – I think it's a bad matchup for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks also – they have two corners, Trey Flowers and Akeem King, in the secondary. These guys rank 121st in PFF, a pro football focus, and 126 out of 143 qualified wow. players. So yeah, no, that's a that's I didn't even know that's a case right there. Uh, well, we've put it together for everybody here. This is a really good case for for the Seahawks this week. Obviously, the market does agree with this thinking because I am seeing plenty of of. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Rams are, are the case for us. We're seeing the Rams at, at minus one at a lot of shops now. So the market is agreeing on the on playing on the Rams this week. But I think they're going to win this game outright. Sounds like you do as well. What 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 number do you think this one's playable up to for for people that are like late to the party on on the Rams? Mm, I don't Just, know. Probably one and a half. Yeah. Nothing more really. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Well, good stuff, man. Do you got anything else for uh for this week? Mm, I had the Cardinals in the the other leg of that teaser. I think you. I think you're on the same am, yes. the same page there. I am. Um, I have the. What did I have? I like the Raiders at plus three. I think the Titans are pretty overvalued. Not in the same sense as the as the Seahawks, but they've gotten pretty lucky. Really high. Mm-hmm abnormally high um red zone success success they're, they're rate number one in red zone at least le- maybe before and, last week they were number one in the league yeah yeah just kind of shocking um i think the, the look ahead line was pick and raiders last people saw they got crushed by the chiefs but they actually out yarded the chiefs in that game just got three turnovers two pick sixes i think so yeah, it seems like a, I think it's a, a classic buy hell or buy 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 low sell high movement uh, in that game. I think too. I agree. I agree. I'm not, I haven't played the Raiders, and it looks like I mean the market agrees with you because that one's come down to two and a half. I think uh, if we're able to get down on three, maybe some places are still at three, and we might get there again on Sunday. But um, that seems to be that's you're not going to get me to to lay it with the Titans on the road in this spot. No way. I think the the book's finally up on the Titans. It's been a nice ride, though. I've been I've been playing their their team yeah. totals over the past pretty much. I think it was not not every week since Tannehill's been there, but I think after it kind of caught on to hey Tannehill's really changing this offense. And and when you're looking at their offensive stats the whole year, those are obviously skewed with with Marcus Mariota, who you know nice guy, but he was completely limited in that offense. That offense completely opened up when Tannehill took over, especially after their bye week. I think they are. They've won four out of five since Tannehill took over to five out of six. Uh, five five out, out of six. six. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I think the, they're finally up the value on, on this team. I think it's finally time to maybe look to sell like to your point and, and the Raiders. Yeah. I, I like the, I like the over in that game. Um, I think it's one of the highest on the board, 40s. which has me a little bit nervous, but both teams are weak against the pass. Yeah. So the I Raiders, think- <laughs> I think there could be some explosiveness. Raiders, I mean, the Raiders are kind of kind of crap in the bed past oh, yeah. two games. Giving up points. Points. Yeah, I'm seeing 47 and a half for that total. So 
It's uh, don't don't disagree with you on that one either. All right, that's good stuff. Thanks for uh, joining. I'm sure we'll be on to talk about bowl games uh, next time we hear from you. We'll be breaking that down. Yep. Yep. Right. We got all the all the Power Five write ups for the conference games on BetChicagoBetIndianaNews.com. So make sure you guys check them out. Make sure people check them out and follow Joe on Twitter at RogersBC with a D. And that's BC as in Bet Chicago. That's right. Nailed it. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. All right. Take care. Yes. See ya. Thank you very much, Joe. Like I said with him, you can follow Joe on Twitter at RogersBC. Rogers with a D. BC is in Bet Chicago. Let's move on to college football conference championship games. We got our bowl game look-aheads coming up next week. It's that time of year. Rivalry week was the last week to close out the regular season. Now we have those conference title games. Uh, There's just isn't much value to be found on this week's card, mainly because there aren't that many games going on. And like I touched on at the beginning of the pod, there are teams with a ton to play for this weekend, which will make these games appointment viewing for even the casual fan. But like I said at the beginning, the number one spot really does matter in terms of the college football playoff. The first, whoever's number one is going to be roughly uh, you know, 10 to 14 point favorite, at least, you know, depending on the teams involved over the number four team. And then uh, the two, three matchups going to be a lot closer to a pick them. Um, my numbers, you know, I actually have Clemson closer to three over LSU, but that's, uh, we can talk about that once the matchups are, are actually established. But in terms of the actual games, Utah, Oregon, kicks things off in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium on Friday night. I wrote about this game for Bet Chicago, but Indiana News. You can check it out on those sites. And the big story in this one is that the total has dropped uh, from about 51 and 52 down to 46. I'm even seeing some 45s, 45 and a halves today uh, on Thursday. And that's all solely due to the weather issues. It looked like there was a 100% chance of precipitation. There was earlier in the week, but now I'm seeing a little less, you know, like 75, 80%. But Rain is never the big thing. I mean, you, people have to understand that. It's the wind that matters in terms of the total a lot more. And you can even make the argument that a light rain is, is good for an over. But, you know, obviously snow, that changes the the thinking, that, that changes everything. And depending on the level of rain, obviously that can have a huge impact on the total. But the wind is the main factor. And in this game, we're seeing on the weather forecast uh, upwards of 21, 22 miles, miles an hour uh, on the wind. Plus, you're going to have Utah. Looking for margin, but their defense is just stellar. It's going to be a good matchup. In terms of numbers on the spread, there's no value on on Utah at all. I'm not saying I'm looking to play Oregon, but that's definitely factored into the line, everything you're thinking about uh, them needing to win this game. The odds makers are not stupid about that. So um, the big one in this one is the total. I actually did take a position on the under 46.5 when it looked like I was late to the party there, didn't do much, but that's the only way I'd look right now. But you have to really pay attention to the weather as that continues uh, to to unfold the weather forecast. And in terms of games that I've actually gotten involved in, I, there's not much. I, I do have a small position on Miami, Ohio at plus seven against Central Michigan. Uh, it's just a small numbers play for me there in the MAC title game. And like I touched on with Joe earlier in the pod, I also have Wisconsin plus 17 for a little bit in pocket, and I'm looking to add to that ahead of game time, but really want to see everything play out before I make that decision too. You know, because if it comes down to Ohio State really needing to win with margin, I think that might, you know, that'll still be reflected in the line then. So we might even you know, catch something good north of 17, but it's definitely worth monitoring before firing off anything more. I wouldn't really bet anything less than 17 here just because 16 and 15 are just, you know, there's a pretty 
pretty weak numbers, and and uh, we are talking about Ohio State here, after all. And then finally, Georgia, uh, plus seven, I think is a worthy play. Not for much, not not feeling that play that much, but um, the number opened where I thought it should have at around three and a half, four here, but it was quickly bet up, even hitting seven and a half at some places. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that LSU's just looked amazing their past few weeks, and Georgia, their skill position players, they're having cluster injuries there, which is a big issue. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, their top receiver's out, and then their next best receiver is suspended after an idiot movie pulled against Georgia Tech, a meaningless game where they were blowing out Georgia Tech. But he's suspended for the first half of the game against LSU, and then their running back Swift is banged up. Um, for the Bulldogs too but the Georgia defense I think is in the best position or (laughs) of any team that can slow down LSU spread offense I think it is Georgia or at least of all the teams that LSU's played so far this year Georgia's best equipped to slow them down and that's partially why I really like the under 55 here as well Uh, I think it actually is down to 54 and a half here but the real play I want to target the first half under I'm seeing 27 and a half out there that's a good play I really would like it at 28 obviously but 27.5 is the prevailing market number as I'm recording this right now. I think that's the best path um, just to get everything into play. I think Georgia might come out a little tight. Team's a little slow. Obviously, Georgia, uh, with their skill position injuries, that first half, the receiver out just for the first half, that that really helps things out. So I think that's that's the best path in that game, along with Georgia uh, at a touchdown or better, catching a touchdown or better in that game. All right, let's, before we move on to NFL, let's talk to Danimal, hear what Danimal has to say about this week's card. And I, I got to start this out before we even go to him. Danimal added up his, his numbers from the podcast this year. So I'm just trusting that his numbers are right here. Uh, but he said he's 15, 15, and 3 on his NFL plays. But in college, he's 41, 17, and 2 in his college football plays on the Doggy Juice Pod this fall. That's almost 71% in college football. So hat tip to Dan for a strong performance on his podcast plays this football season. Let's hear what he has to say about this week's card. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal. Been a while. I know. Busy. Don't know what Doggy Juice is doing. Kid probably hasn't slept in 10 years. I don't know where he is. Anyways, I'm giving more locks. Locks, locks, locks. Championship week. We got... Clemson, Virginia, over 54 and a half, 55. It's the totals guy. It is getting ridiculous at this point. This guy is unreal. Michigan, Ohio State, that went over twice. Should have got double the money. This one, Virginia hits 40. Sorry, Clemson hits 40. Virginia, hmm, who knows what we're going to get from them. I need Clemson to hit 40. I like Clemson to hit 50. Maybe Clemson covers the total on their own. Who knows? Dabo, pissed off. They're going to score. Not worried. Wisconsin, Ohio State. I know how this goes every single year. But I'm biting. Wisconsin, if that gets to 17, that's a lock. 16, 16 and a half, I'll probably still bet it. I'm a degenerate. But 17, I'll lock that up. Utah, minus six and a half. I'd love to get. I see seven. I'll wait for six and a half. I'll get it. It's a grind. It's going to be shitty weather. I know. I'm a Pac-12 guy. My dumb brain knows the Pac-12 eats itself up. It's awful every single year. It'll probably happen again this year. But Utah, I'm going to grind with them. They're going to pound the rock, wet, 
soggy field in San Fran. Nobody's going to be there. It's the dumbest championship game ever. Location couldn't be worse. Put it in Vegas. Let's go. Utah, minus six and a half. Utes are going to the playoffs to probably lose by 50, but whatever. NFL, I hate the NFL. I can't buy a win in the NFL. It stinks. Every team stinks. Giants stink. Bears stink. Patriots stink. We're going Chiefs. We're going Chiefs three and a half. We're sprinkling the money line. The Patriots offense stinks. Chiefs defense, not good. Getting better. I've been saying it for weeks. The Patriots offense is so bad. So bad. Chiefs win in Foxborough. They remember choking it away last year at home. They win straight up. Lastly, Titans, minus two and a half. Raiders, dead, dead, dead. Titans, Dan Hale, who knows? Probably won't watch the game. This game stinks. But we're giving the points. We're rolling with the Titans. We're going variable. We're going home. We're sweeping the board. Danimal, out. Gracias, Danimal. All right, let's move on to NFL Week 14. The playoff picture is finally starting to take shape. I uh, just have a couple quick notes here, a little eye-popping trends. Tampa Bay over has cashed in nine of Tampa Bay's last ten games. They're three-point favorites over the Colts this week. The San Francisco 49ers, they stayed in Florida this week. They, they lost to Baltimore 17-14, uh, to 14, I believe, is the final score. Covering in the process last week. Uh, lost to the Ravens in a last-second field goal. But... Um, they stayed in Florida just like they did. So during week one, between weeks one and two, they did something similar. San Fran played in Tampa Bay, beat Tampa Bay, and then they stayed in Youngstown, Ohio that week. It was almost like an extended training camp. And then they beat the piss out of the Bengals. I think it was like some, somewhere like 41 to 17 in week two. Um, and they're doing something similar this week. They didn't travel back to San Fran. They decided to stay in Florida. They're going to be playing in New Orleans. That game opened three and a half. San Fran money came in. Now it's down to two and a half. Actually, have the 49ers at plus eight and a half in this game from Game of the Year look ahead lines as part of my pro 49ers preseason thoughts. Um, so I'm sitting nice there, but I, I have this line right around three. So I don't think there's much value there. I could definitely not hate on anybody for taking the three and a half when it opened. And I can't really hate anyone for taking the two and a half with the, the 49ers, or sorry, the Saints in this game. Uh, but that's just another thing to keep in mind, the fact that San Francisco is not in a bad travel spot. If anything, they've been bunkering down together all week. Uh, and then the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, eight losses this year, all of them by seven points or fewer. All right, so in terms of plays this week, I, I'm starting to tinker with I, I want to put more plays on Twitter earlier, early positions. So I, I made it a point, um, I tweeted out, I believe on Monday, it was still late. It was after I got after the numbers, but I, I tweeted out plays that I already have in pocket for this week, and I'm going to make it a point to tweet out more openers moving forward. But big one I liked was Saints 49ers, the game I was just talking about, under 45.5. Those two defenses are both ranked top seven in defensive DVOA, and the two offenses are both in the bottom five in pace. The total's now at 44.5. I still think it's worthy, you know, a small slice of that number, but really if it ticks up to 45, that's my go price there. So be on the lookout for that one. Uh, the Falcons-Panthers under 49 gave that one out. That's at 47 now. I actually have three under 49s here to give that I that I gave out. Um, the 
Buccaneers Colts under 49, that's 47 as well. And the Patriots Chiefs under 49, you can still find that 49 out there as I record this on Thursday. And then the other one, the only one that moved um, not in my favor was the Jets Dolphins under 44, that's now 45 and a half. Uh, the Jets are still a top three uh, team and opponent yards per play this year. Uh, don't feel too strongly. I'll never like seeing the market move against me there, but I think there's nothing wrong with an under 45 and a half uh, between the Jets and the Dolphins this week. And in terms of sides, the Rams are a great look. Joe and I touched on it earlier in the pod, obviously, so I'm not going to talk more too much more about it here, but uh, I really like them at pick them or better, and I, I really I hope they win this. I think they do win the game, and I hope they do. Uh, for my Niners plus 525 NFC West Futures tickets, which I gave out on the podcast before the season started here. Uh, the Bills catching six against the Ravens. The game with a lower total at 43, 43 and a half. The Bills are the exact type of defense that can give Lamar Jackson fits. They're not going to slow him down, but they're better at, at, at just surrendering small chunk plays instead of the bigger plays. And the Bills' defense is a really strong unit. And I, I have this game lined at three and a half, so I think we're getting... A little bit of line value here, if you can get six. Um, seven is where I would really heavily get involved, but uh, but I do think the Bills catching six against the Ravens is a good look this week, although going up against the Ravens isn't, uh, hasn't been a surefire way to make money recently. You did last week with the Niners, but uh, I've got a grin and bear it this week with the Bills catching that many points. It's just numbers, baby. And I'm also taking a hard look at the Redskins and the Jets this week, but haven't fired anything off. The Redskins was really hoping to catch 14 against the Packers. They're turning things around there. And then the Jets, they're playing against the Dolphins as five-point favorites. I think there might be a little bit of an overreaction there to the Dolphins. The Jets are still a lot better. Uh, And then the Panthers also are intriguing me because usually I'd like to play on teams that are um, off a coaching change. Usually the players think, hey, maybe I could be next. You know, I'm generalizing here because there are every situation is unique, but usually you bring in an interim coach and or you know, a guy who's maybe trying out to be the coach next year or something like that. The players want to prove that they, they don't want to be next. They want to be the next guys um, out the door, and it kind of lights a fire under the team. Usually the new coach brings a new voice. Maybe the players are sick of the old coach's voice, yada, yada. But uh, interestingly, this the line in the Panthers-Falcons game actually moved up after the firing of Ron Rivera this week. It was two and a half. I think it might have even opened lower than that, but it, it went north of three, which gives me pause um, but I am looking at the Panthers. I just need to do a little more digging in that one, so I have not made any plays on them yet. But the real story this week in the NFL is the NFL teaser board for Week 14. We have teasers galore. Um, the teaser opportunities are insane. There's so many combinations this week, so be sure to check out my weekly teaser article over at Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News. I've plugged that before. I've been crushing the open teaser leg recommendations there. But in terms of finding teaser value, and, and, and what we do here, and I've, I've made it a point on the podcast plenty of times already, but I'll say it again, only get involved in teasers when it's an advantage to you math-wise. And then really the only combination that works is a two-team teaser, six points, where you can cross through the key numbers of seven and three, also known as the Stanford-Wong teaser. It especially works in games with a lower total because the value of each point is magnified in those situations. But... Uh, usually it's difficult. It has been difficult recently to find teams that fit this model, but for whatever reason, this week we have plenty of opportunities. And also another quick note: when you're paying the vig on these, you know a lot of books have guarded against this by increasing the vigorish on these teasers. I'm fortunate enough to have one out where they they still have it at minus 110, which is amazing. It's an amazing edge. But really, you don't want to be doing anything over minus 120 on these two teams six point teasers. So. It's important to keep in mind, but 
This week, the Eagles were the best option, but that was before Daniel Jones was ruled out and Eli Manning was announced as the Giants quarterback. Uh, you could have got the Eagles at eight, eight and a half, teased them down to two, two and a half, essentially just asked them to win the game outright against the Giants on Monday Night Football. Uh, but now that lines up to nine and a half. So pay attention to that. That's the best option, in my opinion, if you can get it uh, below. If that line ticks below nine, you could tease that uh, under the three, essentially asking the Eagles just to win the game. Uh, that's the best option. The Rams, also a fantastic option when that line was at plus one and a half, plus two. You could tease them through the three and the seven. Basically ask them to keep the game within a touchdown against the Seahawks. Obviously that line has moved now, so the, the Rams are actually favored at some spots, minus one. So pay attention to that. If that one does tick up north of plus one, they are full go in the teaser category. Uh, the Cardinals, teasing them up to plus eight and a half. It's still available in the marketplace right now. That game is a low, lower total, 43 and a half against the Steelers. I have that game closer to pick them, so it really is a nice little edge there in that one. Uh, teasing the Cardinals, asking them just to keep the game within a touchdown. It's hard to imagine the Steelers getting too much margin, especially now that the Cardinals have had an extra, you know, they've had a week of tape to work on with the rookie quarterback for the Steelers, Duck Hodges, who I'm a big fan of. Um, and also everyone should be picking up and playing James Washington uh, on your fantasy teams, if you have no one better. Um, but he's, he's definitely a good receiver option this week. Uh, unfortunately, I think the book's up on them. They went on a hunting trip together last week too, before connecting uh, for that long bomb touchdown. So, um, at the same sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but the Cardinals are a great teaser option at plus eight and a half. The Browns, you could have, I, mean, I tease them down to minus one and a half, minus two, but that line's down to seven now, so you just tease that down to one, which kind of takes away the teaser value. Honestly, if you think the Browns are good, um, you might be better off just playing the money line outright or figuring out a way to get involved that way because you are buying points when it comes to teasers. You've got to always keep that in mind. Um, you're paying for, for this, but. Um, I do think the Browns, when they were above seven, were a good option. So um, you could tease them down, just basically ask them to win that game outright. The Texans have emerged as a teaser candidate. They weren't when I wrote that article, but um, I've seen some minus eight um, lines in some spots against the Broncos this week. So you can tease the Texans down to two in a, in a low-scoring game. The 49ers, they're also an option, lower-scoring game there. Like I said, I like the total under. I mean, tease them up to eight and a half against the Saints. I did not include that one and all just because I do think it's uh, it could be a spot where I'm underestimating the Saints um, and the Saints could really have their, their coming out party this week uh, but the Niners are a good option you can also look to include the Raiders I have not done that on any of mine but um, that game also has the second highest total on the board besides Kansas City New England um, but you could tease the Raiders at home against the Titans as well and like I said before just be, pay attention to that low vig if you can get that uh, at minus 110, it's a total plus EV move to get any of these combos down, but uh, minus 120 or better on those. So that's going to do it for this week of the Doggy Juice Pod. Thank you very much for listening, sticking around. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, leave a review if you can. Love those five star reviews. Um, but always appreciate everyone's feedback. So if you have any of that, feel free to dish it out to me and uh, always appreciate people listening as well. I'll be back next week. We're going to have college football bowl games to break down and obviously more college basketball and NFL as well. Good luck on your best this week, and I'll talk to you next week. Doggy Juice out.